Dylan, we've told you this time and time again. Don't hit yourself in the face. You're, you can't tell me what to do. Yes, I can. I, I can do whatever I want. Whenever I want. What? I'm your father. That's impossible. I'm older than you. Nope. Yep. Nope. That's what yep. they want you to think. That's what the government wants you to think, Dylan. <laughs> Where's my tinfoil hat? I need my tinfoil hat! Oh, God! I am actually an eldritch being. That wouldn't surprise me, but yet I don't believe it. You don't have I to believe, believe it, it, Dylan. It's true. Listen, mm. you can be an eldritch being. I just don't have to believe in you. Yes, like that's saying, how that works. It's like saying you don't believe in science. Just because you don't believe in it doesn't mean it's not true, Dylan. <laughs> Listen, gravity doesn't hold me down. I can do whatever I want. Okay, Dylan. You, you keep telling yourself that. I will. Boys, the Oscars are this weekend. Oh, I couldn't I keep, care. I keep fucking forgetting about that. I still need to watch Belfast and Licorice Pizza. We got <laughs> There's so many. I am I not, not a fan seen. of awards, so I don't care. I um. So by the time you're listening to this, the Oscars will have already happened. The There's Oscars will have already happened, out. and the mystique uh, and the intrigue will be gone. Yeah, yes, like it had mystique and intrigue anyway. It does. Who knows who's going to win Best Picture? It's interesting. Um, Allegedly. So, how many of the nominees have you guys seen? I don't know even what the nominees are. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so here we go. Nominees are... Now! Okay. Now! <clears throat> now! 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 Dune? Now! Uh, West Side Story? Now! The Power of the Dog? Now! Drive My Car? Now! Belfast? Now! Licorice Pizza? Now! Coda? Now! Don't Look Up? Now! And the Binge Picture Podcast. And the Binge Picture Podcast. <laughs> We're gonna talk about a 1931-year-old movie. <laughs> oh, bottom's fucking up. I know Nightmare Alley is one of the nominees too, but I forget what the template is. So it's called Your Mother. Job mom. <laughs> yeah, your mom's finally in a movie. She's Way to go, directed, starting. It was a it was a solo act. But she did it all. A one man show. A one woman show. Yeah. One woman show. Welcome everybody to the new and improved Binge Picture Podcast. We are still the <laughs> third worst podcast on the internet. Um but we are no longer an Oscar podcast. We are now a podcast where three movie buffs and lifelong friends are gonna sit down and watch through their watch lists. Basically, we're just going to watch random movies every week. And you're going to fucking like it. No plans. Every night we will figure out what movie we're watching for the next week. And yeah, basically what Dylan said, you're going to fucking deal with it. You're going to love it, right? So shut the fuck up. I don't want to hear any complaints or worries. You can, if, you, if you have good. any complaints about the um, about the show, you can send an email to uh, fuck at gmail.com. If you have any complaints, send them to Roger at bingepicturepod at gmail.com and address <laughs> Roger, them to Roger. Roger Specifically Roger. The disgruntled customers. Yes, Roger handles disgruntled customers. He's handled, I think, four disgruntled employees at this point. Customers um, and employees. Yes. Who have we fired? <laughs> he is PR and HR. He's, is it just me multiple times? Was I we've, fired multiple We fired times? no one. However... Every customer is disgruntled. <laughs> yes. Huh. I certainly know I am. I'm always guys. disgruntled. I'm always <laughs> angry, but I'm getting better at that. 
Yes, Dylan, um, in our website, I changed your bio to read, you're everybody's favorite anime angry boy. I saw that when you said we had a website, and I forgot we had a website. Why not hyphenate to Animangry? Animangry? Oh, that's better. I'm the Animangry boy. Animaniacs. Yeah, right? I like it. There you go. Oh, fuck you guys. This This is a good movie this week. I'm very excited to talk about it. It was. It was. It's only dampened on my personal opinions just because it's only dampened for me because of personal reasons. But that's about it. I won't go into my any more that's details. That's what dampens every movie, no, no. Dylan. You, people Wait. don't like movies for personal reasons. What Listen, the fuck are you talking about? You won't go into it. I just have a reason for the first place I saw it. I don't like it. Mm. Uh, we'll, we will discuss this. because yeah. well, there's No, we will, not, we will not talk about that. No, because we were literally in the same classes together. We're not talking about him. He's an eldritch whore. (laughs) Wait. He is the definition of an eldritch whore. This man does not die. Okay, so so anyway, to bring the listener up to speed, to bring the customer into the into the loop here, Dylan is is uh, convinced that he has seen the movie that we're talking about today. I did. I did see this movie. I can confirm one hundred percent. I saw this movie. In a, in a class with a professor whom I also had, and I don't know about Dylan. Who Ross also Ross. had. Yeah, I had him too. But Dylan, you and I had West Garing classes ah! together. Why did you say that name? I'm sorry, but it's, it's the professor who was uh, designing and the, the tenure Critiquing professor, and say. destroying yeah. and everything's a him. dark comedy, guys. There's I no other him. genre. Oh, no, God. West Garing was great. Was Gary provided that. a letter of recommendation to get me into uh, Georgia Tech, so I, I uh, can say nothing wrong about the man. I just he was just a cool dude. Eh. But anyway, eh. but <laughs> Dylan, did you take a West Garing class that I was not in? Also, and I know we weren't as close as we were as we are today. Back mm-hmm. in the day, but I only took that one class with him. I was fucking in that class, and we did not watch this movie. We did. We did watch this movie. No, we watched the same. I took the same class at a different time. We watched Public Enemy because I remember in the shot. I remember fully the last third act. I remember the fully last. I remember the fucking last third act of White Heat, and that was in that class. We didn't watch White Heat, or maybe we We watched both, or maybe I skipped that class because I really hated that class. I Cagney, you could have skipped the point that I did not like that class. Guys, don't fight. It's the week after St. Patrick's Day. It's the perfect time to fight. <laughs> Whatever. But we watched it again this week, and it was fucking good, wasn't it? It was fucking great, it was good. man. I fucking yeah. loved it. All right, so there we go. I don't know why we're fighting in the first place, because everyone can agree that yeah, I mean, The I Public know, Enemy, featuring James Cagney, directed by whom? By, directed by... Uh, William A. Wellman. William, William Wellman. A. Which is, Wellman. honestly... William That's such an Wellman old-timey name. It's is an old-timey old name. It's a fucking fantastic name. You can say no wrong about a man named William Wellman. He, he sucks well there. I said something bad. Yeah, fuck you. It was good. It was a good movie. It was. Um, do we want to dive right in, boys? Dive right in. All right, so The Public Enemy, starring James Cagney. The incomparable James Cagney in his yeah. breakout role. Incredible. Yes. So fucking good. I loved him in this movie. Um, he plays 
every single thing I read about this movie, it really stresses stresses that he is Irish American. He's an Irish American. <laughs> <youth. Yeah. laughs> Definitely. Listen, um, he's Irish American. It was the 1930s, so they have to stress he's not American. He's Irish American. He's, he's the Irish. Irish Americans have culture as uh, they have culture too. Illegal. Give it to them. The uh, so um, it's early 1900s in Chicago. Um, now. I don't know how much history you guys know. There was some stuff going down in Chicago in the early 1900s. <laughs> really? I don't believe so. It's not you like there's say. an entire bootlegging industry that led to multiple violences on every level. But you um, the, the movie is basically following... Little um, Caesar. What? Mm. So Little I've Caesar kicks this. off this... Like, Little Caesar came out just a bit before it. Yeah, in yeah, In the yeah. grand scheme of it all. And it kicks off this wave of, like, gangster movies for the next, like, yeah. two decades or so. Yeah, yeah like, Little yeah. Caesar's, like, the first gangster movie or, like, the first big one. But I think The Public Enemy is the big, the big one of the 30s. Same well, studio. yeah, because Little Caesar, like, kind of knocked off the idea that, like, oh, shit, we can talk about this now, right? And then it just, what well, bleh. It's a pre-code movie, so they can get into more gritty detail about things. And oh, the, the movie pre-code follows... shit was great. Yeah. I love a pre-code movie, dude. Uh, James I can't Cagney how pl- much we fucked up film with with the Hayes Code. But the Hayes Code was anyway, so bad. Proceed. Um, so James Cagney plays Tom Powers, um, and it basically follows the movie. Just tracks along his rise and excuse me, his subsequent fall from power in the Chicago bootlegging industry of prohibition, alongside his childhood friend Matt Doyle. Played I like by- the break. He's like fuck. I had to turn over and look at the cast list, played by Edward Woods. Um, so, um, first fun fact about James Cagney is that when he first was hired on to make the he Public was Enemy, he was Matt. The roles were yeah. switched. He was supposed to be the uh, the sort of nice guy, and Matt. Um, yeah, I couldn't imagine that now, just because of how like again we've seen the movie and oh, how yeah. synonymous Cagney is with that. Exactly. horrible gangster character exactly but initially just... he was hired on to be like the kind of nice guy friend role and Which... and after seeing the screen test the producers switched the roles which I love. I I believe before this he had mostly been in like song and dance stuff. Like yes, he was a vaudeville. He was stuff. a vaudeville guy. So he did a lot of like singing and dancing in theaters. So he decided so... to like this again when he said it was his breakout role. Um, it was also the breakout role kind of for um, Warner Brothers because this is like one of their first films ever made. Yeah, this is this is one of Warner Brothers' big intros to the it's whole amazing. scene. Well, no, it also took them like seriously, like because you know everyone put out a movie, but mm-hmm. like this showed that they had the caliber to do big movies mm-hmm. like that. Like this was their first big like holy shit movie that they could do. Yeah. Um. So do we want to go through the entire plot or do we just want to kind of hit things from the like do we each want to talk about certain things about the plot that we want to that we want like, to discuss? I feel or like we, we want should to... just talk about certain parts of the plot because if Okay. Yeah, just just sum it up. Because briefly. if you're here for yeah. the episode, I feel like you're kind of going in with the knowledge of what this is or maybe we can intrigue you into watching the movie. Yeah. Um so we don't want to go through the whole thing. We want you to watch it and find stuff out mm-hmm. for yourself. It's it's a fucking great movie on HBO Max. Tight 90. Yeah. This is another entry into our tight, tight 90, 90 club. Extremely tight. The tightest um, of 90. So who wants to kick us off? Kick us off in what way how? Who wants to who wants to <laughs> 
Fuck it, so, I'll go first. The first thing I, want to, I do want to talk about is the Hall of Fame gangster names in this movie. Right? I've oh, dude. Five. Top dude. I've got five. So we've I've got, got some issues. Nose. Putty got nose, nose can fucking, like, just fuck it. Just fuck off. <laughs> well, I got good news. <laughs> he does fuck off. good news, Caleb. He fucks off permanently. Yeah. Um, Limpy nose. Larry. Putty oh, nose. God, they shot Limpy. <laughs> they shot Limpy. Uh, they shot Limpy. They shot Limpy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, I, so I watched this and immediately recorded a um, letterboxed review for The Public Enemy. Oh, I think I missed that. I'll have to check it out. Okay. In this Letterboxd review, which I'm trying to use Letterboxd consistently more, my username is at stake because I was very hipster to the Letterboxd trend <laughs> so that I had my, my fair... Stake. Medium yeah. rare. Yeah, medium rare. Fuck it. I'm literally at stake. I was very new to Letterboxd when it first came out. But um, my, I believe my review said that the biggest crime committed in this movie was whatever the fuck was going on with 1930s fashion trends. Because <laughs> it was fucking terrifying. <laughs> that, 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 it's just a product of the times. It's a product of the times. And uh, Putty Nose just fucking threw me for a loop i was so disturbed the entire time putty nose was on the screen i cannot articulate why you have to watch why but he is like a 1930s fucking like terrifying person <laughs> yeah. He, yeah he was i mean he's the guy that gets um james cagney and his buddy started in their life of crime he does so, and then even he... then i like how their life of crime is just they went to a like a, a like a small bar and just said we that was still my watch favorite this. dude when i texted you guys that cagney heists are goaded i think i said which i hate them <laughs> i hate that i said that <laughs> <laughs> redeem but myself cagney like james cagney heists in cagney movies hey are can incredible. you fill up this bullet roof I think of I oh, think of White Heat the gun with the, shop the train the train robbery, but yeah, yeah, yeah. In this movie, like fucking sneaking up a a, a tanker truck and filling it up with beer during Prohibition, it's fucking Dude. badass. And no one in the nineteen what nineteen thirty one, thirty one. No, no one's doing that. that. Like we're filming it, or when they when the alleged crime would have happened. No, no, no. Those, in, in the alleged in, crime movie, happened like in, in the movie. In the film it's Prohibition like, era, so like nineteen twenty. So, yeah, like late twenties. This to is late the 20s. sweet spot post prohibition, pre code, where shit is going down, and I love yes. it. So and the violence feels more real than it does. It does. during the Hayes Code. They, okay, so um, another fun fact is that every bullet was a live bullet. They had no blanks because they couldn't afford live blanks. What? How? <laughs> yeah. What? How? Yeah, Limpy yeah, yeah, yeah. actually died. <laughs> Limpy. <Dude>. Limpy now. <laughs> okay. I don't know about that, but like the gunfight scenes, live gunfire, and Cagney was shot at, and he fucking hated every moment of it. Oh, I bet. I, I would Oh my too. god, that makes sense. <laughs> Holy shit! I so would too. no, that makes sense because in the scene where they're walking away from the safe house, and he turns the corner, and like the bullets hit the wall, I'm like, wow, that's really practical. And then you just told me that, and I went, oh no, no, shit, no, no. they almost killed the lead. So it turns Imagine. out blanks and like rubber bullets and things were extremely rare. And extremely expensive. I'm not surprised. No, it makes sense. So Man, yeah, it was very common for we, can we shoot up. We, we shoot up people for real. We're gonna, we're gonna pump your guts full of lead. See, 
We're gonna <laughs> use machine guns and see if you survive. Wait, what? Yeah. Boom. I hope you got a quick forward roll, Sam. I hope you got a good life insurance policy, C. Your wife's gonna need it. <laughs> but, sir, we don't have life insurance policies back in the 1930s. It's 1930, sir. We don't have life insurance. <laughs> Our life expectancy is to die. In a dust bowl. Holy shit. I, yeah, I couldn't believe that when I read it. But I read into James Cagney a little bit um, this mm-hmm. week. And yeah, there were subsequent roles that he had in. Um, oh, fuck. There's a mayfly in here. Do you guys have mayflies <laughs> up in the Midwest? No. no. This is an atrocious looking bug. Is, is it, are those the things window. that look like the giant mosquito thingies? Yes. yes okay, like we got bit. those. He's yeah, we got there. those. No, we have I'm them, but I don't out. think they're in season yet. Besides the point. In, we're like three weeks away. Um, so talking about pre-code stuff, pre-haze code, I feel like the grapefruit scene kind of just like a cap- a captures like the idea of yeah, the grapefruit what kind scene. of kicked off like maybe people being like, we can't do mm-hmm. this anymore. That's because- one of, I'm sure that was part of it because uh, so for, those that, for those of you that don't know, there's a scene in this movie where James Cagney's character Tom is arguing with his girlfriend. And they're sitting at the table silently, and she gets off one more remark, and he takes a grapefruit and just shoves it in her face. Like it's rumored that she didn't know it was coming. Yeah, there's uh, like, interesting. I mean, from conflicting... that reaction, I believe it. Yeah, so um, like he takes an actual grapefruit and just smashes it into her face. Um, so I that is a decent observation. I wouldn't be surprised if that p- played a part into the moral up uprising yes. about cinema it absolutely did okay. yeah. this is I'm um, reading i something. think i think turner classic movies rated this in their top 20 most famous um movie scenes of all time um i i, I get it yeah, yeah yeah i think it was i think it was top 20 i think it was my personal opinion is that it was extremely overrated in terms of its like moral impact and oh absolutely absolutely yeah it's just different for the time because for the time but the rumor is that they were like both of the actors the actress the actor um were in on it it was a practical joke that ended up being included in the final cut yeah um, i just unbeknownst to the to the directors um so i don't don't know i guess it just boils down to your opinion um because it just depends on how you're looking at it like Depends on you're looking at it, because there's conflicting there's conflicting stories into how yeah. that came mm-hmm. to be, but it still remains because, one of the most yeah, impactful and, and interesting and uh, influential, potentially influential scenes of all time is the the grapefruit scene. Yes, I think. And then, I mean, well, yeah, going off of your contradictory statements, um, we have a <laughs> film critic who said, "Given I've conflicted myself, Dylan, take us away." <laughs> we see that a. Um, <laughs> A film critic was like, oh, she didn't know. And Mae Clark's the name of the actress. She yeah. didn't know it was going to happen. But then in her in Mae Clark's autobiography, it says that uh, Cagney? Cagney. Thank Cagney. you. Cagney. Thank you. Jim uh, Cagney. Cagney um, told her prior that he was going to do mm-hmm. this shit. So there's that yeah, conflicting it, statement there. From what and I've then read, it also appeared like it was a joke. From what I've read, it sounds like the two of them were in on it, and it was indeed a joke, and it got taken... A little too a seriously little too and got taken um, as 
Serious I mean, it, it yeah. ultimately so, got included in the film, which they never anticipated it being. Well, it, it, so it was included in the film, and then when the Hayes Code went into effect, it, it was got gone. cut out. It yeah. got cut out, mm. and then it got okay. re-put back into it by, um, I think TCM put it back in, in like the <clears throat> 50s or something. Whenever the Hayes Code went away, I think somebody put it back in. Hmm. So I know... Which I'm glad they did. It's a big scene in the movie. It is a big it scene in the movie. It does, he's an asshole. It sets the tone... Definitely, mm-hmm. and I think in subsequent Cagney films, like in White Heat, doesn't he doesn't he slap a woman? Yeah, the, the slap is a thing. Multiple women in this film. Um, what's his what's uh? He's he's revving his engine. He's revving his engine. He's he's on the, he's on the line. Ladies and gentlemen, start your engines. Caleb, about you time. Did you get anything? Didn't buy enough time. What's what's uh ah uh, 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 fuck? Ah <laughs> uh, fuck. This is great. Okay, content. while he looks for that, I know it's a minimal thing, but I love the idea of how these people punch and all that, like how it knocks them to the ground. Specifically, <laughs> like when um he's confront his brother <laughs> yeah. and him are confronting I, each other. Yeah, just like that, like like he didn't move his shoulders or his waist or or his hips or anything. He just goes meh. I have a question because they really do sell the punch. I'm like, (laughs) did they actually punch James Cagney? (laughs) Because it looks like they actually punched him. I think I know what I think I know what part you're talking. Like, Uh, I feel like a lot of people after his brother comes home from World War One, and it's when his brother confronts him in his bedroom and he punches him. Mm, I don't think no. no, he didn't. He didn't. No, it was before he went off to World War One. Oh, you're right. You're, so, you're, you're right. So I think no? ultimately, no, it's in, before he goes off to World War One because they're having to talk like you gotta be the breadwinner now. You gotta, yeah. you gotta like you do all. You that. gotta take care of Ma, see. You gotta take care of Ma, see. Yeah. Also, I think real quick, mm-hmm. they sped up the footage when people talked, right? Or did they actually talk that fast? No, they actually think, talked that I fast. Think they talk it was bullshit. the thirties. I clear bullshit. So here's it was the thirties. My ultimate like conclusion on my own personal consumption of this movie was that it definitely suffers from being a 1931 yes well yeah feature i think um if you go back and look at other cagney features future like further on and particularly white heat which is one of my favorite movies of all time which was 1949 and i think it was is nearly 20 years later after this movie um the public enemy, the blocking is very clunky. Um, it's yep. it's it suffers from being uh, Epis- experienced. I, I, I wrote down in... that it felt episodic because of all episodic. the fade in and fade outs for all the right? scenes. And like and, it's and, and, also, and, and, and I know it the clinged... technology's not right there, but it's like some of the fades are weird as fuck. Yeah, yeah, it clinged on to scenes for far too long and uh-huh. like let them linger on where it was just a close up on one person who was left over after everyone else had left the scene physically and it was just one person reacting to whatever had happened in the conversation prior and it just clinged on a little too long it's a little too weird and it was a little too clunky and that is I think is a I think that's just a result of being such an early film Um, and so you cannot knock it so much for this um what i was going to go back to is the slap and um similarly in um it happened one night the clark label clark clark gable slaps um slap oh a male lead slapping a female lead was 
shockingly common uh-huh. in this yeah. in this window of film history. Clark Gable was, I believe, slapped um, his co-star in It Happened One Night, which we've covered in another episode. If you mm-hmm. scroll back, go back and listen to it. It's one of our first yeah, episodes. Back. It's one of our first is episodes. It like the third or fourth episode. I don't know, but It Happened One Night is a fucking amazing movie, and you should go back and listen to our. Episode. Love it. So good. Um, but the slapping, the slapping was a thing that happened, and I think a thing that definitely leading into the Hayes Code um, caused some features to suffer, and I believe mm-hmm. this mm-hmm. was also one of those features to suffer, given that um, James Cagney slapped his co-star in The Public Enemy. Um, but it's uh, it's interesting, because the female co-star is always in on the trick. And I don't yeah, think because think I about feel like at that wars. point... The social, like, the the assault cases that would have happened would have kind of deterred people from doing it. So you have to tell your people. Well, I, I well, mean, if it's in the script, then everybody knows about it. But I think the uprising is just the fact that people saw it being portrayed on screen. That was Well, yeah, was... everyone does that. It's kind of like the same thing nowadays where it's like, oh, it's like the people who complain about euphoria. It like it's the same level of that that the children will see this and everyone will be like, oh, drugs and sex are cool. Think of and... the children. Think Show the titties children. on television. What am I supposed to do? Show my titties as well? I don't. Know. I don't want to have these difficult conversations about puberty and other adult conversations with my I will children. Save it for mine. So you should not put them in your movies. I can will I read save you guys. It. I will can save I it for guys? my. My, my public education system that I'm also <laughs> complaining about that they are teaching puberty in this puberty. My God. Yeah. Hollywood is brainwashing kids to think about puberty. Can I Hollywood's brainwashing kids to have opinions. Can I talk to you about the Turner Classic Movies interview with William Wellman about this about the grapefruit scene? Oh boy, hit me up. As conveyed by Wikipedia. In a 1973 interview featured in the Turner Classic Movies documentary, The Men Who Made the Movies, colon, William Wellman, Wellman said he added the grapefruit hitting to the scene because when he and his wife at the time would get into fights, she would never talk or give any expression. Since she always had a grapefruit for breakfast, he always wanted to put the grapefruit into her face just to get a reaction out of her, so she would show some emotion. And he felt that the scene gave him, at the time, the opportunity to rid himself of that temptation. <laughs> the man Art just wanted therapy. It just sounded like he wanted therapy. He Art needed therapy life. and instead yeah. wanted to punish his wife with a grapefruit. Listen, every man ever needs therapy. So in May Clark's autobiography, though, to continue, Clark stated that Cagney had told her prior to the take what he planned to do, and yeah. she said that her only genuine inspiration her genuine surprise came later when she saw that the grapefruit take of the scene appeared and made the final cut of the film as it had been her understanding that they were shooting it only as a joke to amuse the crew. So yeah. I read that too. she was surprised that it made the final cut, but she knew she was like in on the joke to be in on it. But didn't know it would be there in the end. Yeah. Interesting. I would like to talk about another scene of this movie guys. Mm. It is, the funniest movie in the scene. One of the funniest scenes. Funniest scene in the movie. Yeah, thank you. Funniest scenes I've ever seen in a movie. So, you, you know our boy Nails Nathan from the movie, right? <laughs> Fucking Nails. 
Dude, how uncomfortable can Nails make it? Wait, is he number three in the Italian mob name? Yeah, he was he was my third name for my gangster names. So, um, Nails Nathan is a character. He's a mob associate of James Cagney's character. Nails Nathan dies. Nails Nathan Die dies because he falls off a horse. And the horse kicks him in the head. <laughs> and the horse kicks him in the head. So, obviously... They kill the horse! James Cagney goes to a stable where the horse is being kept, talks to the guy keeping taking care of the stable, and is like, how much is that horse worth? And he, the guy's like, $1,000. So he's like, here's $1,000. And he walks into the stable, and you hear two gunshots, <laughs> and he just leaves. And you just hear, Hoof! and he like it's... falls over again. <coughs> it's Revenge so on a it's horse. So <laughs> the poor horse. The horse ever Francis did to Ford you, Coppola, you hack fraud. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good. This is a good bring up. Holy shit! I forget about this. <laughs> the funniest fucking scene in the movie, and one of the funniest scenes in a movie I've seen in a long fucking time. Because this man just slaps a thousand dollars down on the table, <laughs> walks into a stall, bang, bang, walks out. <laughs> Fuck you, horsey. Fuck you, horsey. Yes, of course. Jesus Christ. I know. I don't think it was meant to be funny, but good God, I it was not. laughed so It wasn't. I was hard. like, oh, he killed the horse. This, this goes back issues. to what I was saying about the film suffering from its 1931 release. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because the comedic things... timing... That comedic yeah. timing is like something you'd see on Arrested Fucking Development. Yes. <laughs> Horrible. Yes, 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 yes. But... In the 30s, that's suspenseful. But now, that's fucking hilarious. Just slaps the money down, walks away, bang, bang, <laughs> walks back out. He walks out, like, with the, like, saddle uh, that says its name on it or something. Yeah. Like, the blanket or something. He goes, this is mine now. It is mine. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so, yeah I was just a scene I wanted to bring up because I loved it so much. <laughs> it is so it's, good. Peter wasn't around. It doesn't care. Um, no, it's something about this movie that I kind of the, the funniest scene for me was like the gun store robbery. I love the gun store robbery where he was like, "How do I use a gun? I'm a homicidal maniac. I don't know how to use a gun. You just click it like that and load the bullets. Oh, why? Thank you. Give me the fucking gun. He's like, he's like <laughs> how do you load it? And he. Uh, he shows him how he's like, oh, like with these bullets, and he pulls the exact right bullets out of his pocket. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because this, being 1931, um, before the movie begins, and immediately, I believe, pre-credits, there is a notification that we receive as as the audience from MGM, indicating that. By the way. MGM does not approve of the behavior shown on screen, and we think that the that criminals the that we depict, yes, it, it quantifies the public enemy title um, a little, I mean, extremely on the nose. It basically uh -huh. says, yo, the people that we put in this movie we think are fucking bad, and that they should be bad people, and you should not idolize them, even though that we've made them movie stars. And it's it's just such a 1930s fucking thing to put yeah, in right. your movie, but it it, it does you know because like you it, don't. I mean, uh, that went by the wayside in the forties. Like they didn't put that in front of fucking White Heat. No, that's true. I thought White Heat was the sixties. White Heat was the forties. Okay. Forty nine. 
49. My dyslexia kicked my ass then because I looked at it and went, oh, 1994. Nice. 94. Yeah, it's 94. Close enough. He was in 94 when he was there. Whatever. Semantics <laughs> Just aside. kidding. Yeah, yeah. No, White Heat but, was, uh, was 49. White Heat's so fucking good. James Cagney's so fucking good. Pearl Walsh is so fucking good. Ugh, Look, man, so I'm on top of the world. I'm on top of the world, motherfucker. He doesn't say motherfucker, but he should have. But he should have said motherfucker. God, imagine the Hayes Code back then if they said motherfucker. Right? I think the Hayes Code would have had an aneurysm. <laughs> the paper just bleeds out of one of its nostrils. The Mr. Paper Hayes just would have bleeding. said, You communist infidel! You dare say a curse word on the big screen in the United States of America. It's so, I, it's so interesting. I would me. love for Mr. Hayes to be a recurring character on this show. Mr. Hayes. <laughs> Mr. Hayes. <laughs> we'll introduce it. I could bring back the, uh, my Lindsey Graham impression. Feature that I See how well this comes. <laughs> oh, boy. I cannot wait. Uh, um, um, so you guys, can we talk for a second? I think we have a little bit, so maybe it doesn't have to be too long, but... James Cagney's fucking awesome. He's oh, he's so a great fucking act. good. Great act. Can I can I introduce you to the original James Cagney? Um, do you all know Wait, how seriously? he shit? No, 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 no. Do you no, no, all no. know how he shits? <laughs> no, but my phone just died. I was going to text you a picture, but I will oh. instead share the screen, baby. Share the screen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because since we can do that. Um, Since Ross, our benevolent web webcam god, has allowed well, us. Well, it turns out you were always able to. Caleb was just doing it wrong. I was just doing it wrong. Okay, boys. James Cagney. All right. Um, open image. The suspense. The suspense. An audio vis- An audio podcast is having pictures involved. Once oh Caleb, my god! Caleb, once your phone turns back on, text this picture to me, and I'll post it to socials because I still can't see it. Oh, here and comes. not only was James Cagney a phenomenal yep, yep, gangster, yep, I saw that. Yep, Von Miller and its finest, baby. This was Von his Milan first finest. role. Okay, his first role as in show business. Do you see this top is Kinky row? Boots before Kinky top Boots row. existed. Top row, second, second from the left. That's exactly who I thought that was. Yeah. Yep, I got that him is James Cagney in drag because his yep. first oh, yeah. role Listen, in the year nineteen nineteen. We've regressed as a society. Vaudeville was fucking top. Vaudeville was fucking cool. Sometimes. <laughs> parts of Vaudeville. The parts, parts of Vaudeville were cool. Let's put that clarifier in there. Yeah. Some when you were putting good drag on your face and not blackface on your face, Vaudeville was fucking great. Listen, but there this are was... clear and obvious things that weren't top. That was one of them. That's what she said. Not top. I see what you did there. Oh. Oh. Anyway, James Cagney got his start as a dancer. Um, he got to start in a drag show with, uh, I believe this was World War One or pre-World War One. It was 1919. Um, it was all-male feature it called... Was, um, it was World War One at that point, then. 1919 was World War One. Yeah. Okay, like so the this end was... Um, uh, Every Sailor oh. was the name of, of the show that he began his start in. And yep. I like how I immediately show. found that guy. Like, oh, that's his face. That, yeah, he he pops out from this feature. In this, he has picture. a very distinct, fa- like he has a very distinct like face shape. So you can always t- you can easily tell who he is in the lineup. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, so this is how he began, and um, he got his start, obviously, with the Public Enemy, other features in between this, this still taken in 1919 and, like, World War II, where he starred in, um, I believe, Yankee Doodle Dandy was the name of the movie. Yeah, he was in that? It was a musical um, featuring song and dance. He was very, very talented dancer, very talented show tunes person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course... Of course, he was very big in gangster flicks as well, not just Public Enemy, but yeah, of course, yeah. like we Over... said, there's the White Heat, there was Angels with Dirty Faces, Roaring Twenties. Mm-hmm. Over a, his a career, bunch. he became synonymous with the evil gangster kind of character persona, yeah. um, but that's not at all where he began, and I fucking love this image, because that's James Cagney right there, that's your fucking, that's your, uh, that's your gangster bro. Can we agree um, that if this came out in like today's market, everyone would flip ship for no fucking reason? Elaborate. Oh yeah, there, there are well, no like they would be like, like his enemies would be like, "That's terrible! How dare he start off doing drag when?" Oh, you mean the Republicans would lose their minds? <laughs> Not even the Republicans. It's just the idiots. There are idiots are, on both sides who don't diff- understand well, that this is a form of expression for people. Correct. So, what do you think of? <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, one to ten. Where? What are you giving? Um, the public enemy. Also, uh, before we do that, just be aware when you're Google searching the public enemy, don't leave the L out. <laughs> it's not a typo you want to make. Do you get not a typo you want to make? Do you get like an advertisement for like manscapes or some shit? From experience, it's <laughs> not a typo Ross, you want to make. Ross, don't tempt me with it. I'm look. I'm doing it. I'm doing the it. Cubic I'm doing it now. All right, Dylan, give us a little One verbal annotation of what what goes on. <laughs> Sorry, Ross, I just typed a pubic enemy. You um, absolutely did this. Um, um. So my rating's a bit conflicted. Okay. Okay. My rating, like, without any personal bias or anything, I'm giving this a solid, like, 6.67. But when I counted, when I first saw this movie, when I introduced personal bias, it gets a fuck off. I don't want to look (laughs) at this movie ever again. All right. uh, We'll go with the number. We'll go with the number. Uh, Caleb. (laughs) I mean, the letters are numbers. (laughs) Um... For me, The Public Enemy receives a 7 even out of 10, only because other Cagney features such as the White as, as white Heat are near perfect. Immaculate. Immaculate. And so I have to account for the upward mobility of James Cagney, but The Public Enemy is 7 out of 10. It's, it's clearly extremely influential in the gangster mm-hmm. genre, um, and yeah. in like the, just the crime movie genre. I think, um, I think you can... It's it's not a stretch to tie a significant amount of crime movies over the next 60, 70 years back to... 100 years, even. 100 years, even. Back to the public enemy. Like, just the heist tropes and the... Um, all of it. It's it's amazing. It is, it is groundbreaking sort of bedrock crime movie. And I love it for that. Um, I also fucking hated how gross they were in the bars where they were spitting in oh God, yeah, that was fucking disgusting. Fritos and shit. Like, fuck off with that. That's uncomfortable. Uh, it, it is proto Goodfellas. It's proto Goodfellas. Proto Goodfellas. Absolutely, I agree with this. Very similar arcs throughout those two movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going a little bit higher than Caleb. I'm going to 7.5. Okay. 
My big pay- my big problem is the pacing. Pacing yeah, is thrown off that. a lot. It suffers from being a movie that released in 1931. It suffers yep. from like that mm-hmm. that extra decade of experience in filmmaking and experience in like blockbuster movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I definitely agree with that. I think it's very very obtuse, very uh, just awkward in the way things move along and the the plot advancement and the blocking. Um, but that's just 1931. So yeah, I, I struggle where to penalize it for that, but I'm comfortable with the seven. Also, it's shot really well. It is shot very well. Oh, I love so the, the scene at the end where Cagney's been shot and he's crawling through the rain. So good. The... I love it. Old movies like this are, I think they're more rare than I realize where, um, they're not relying on historical tropes and historical ideas as far as their cinematography goes. And it's, yeah. it's, it's extremely original and they're inventing things on the spot and you can feel the creativity flow through the, the camera and like people yeah. are thinking like, Ooh, let, what if we did this and this is new and no one's ever tried this before. And you don't get that today. Today you get the, Hey, remember back in white heat when they did this? Why don't we, Try and recreate. Well, yeah, it, like, it established, it set up this it. idea of what to do. It, it's like yeah. it, it doesn't follow the cliches; it creates the cliches. It creates well, yeah, what we now recognize as cliches. But if yeah. you think back um, ninety years ago, they're not cliches; they're groundbreaking they're, tropes and like yes. just brand fucking new things to do with a camera. And I, I, I do love that very much. I do too. So overall, I think we can all say we liked it. Watch. Watch it, The Public Enemy. It's on HBO Watch Max. The Public Watch Enemy. it, especially because it's so easy to get. Yeah, yeah. HBO. So, uh, guys, guys, what are we watching next week? Shit, Caleb, you and I fight with magic rocks. Magic. You can fight with rocks. magic rocks. Although I will maintain that since you were absent last week, I believe it is my fucking turn to spin my wheel. No, we fight with magic rocks. Okay, official judge ruling. Official judge ruling. Dylan rolls once. Caleb gets to roll twice and pick the higher number. Fuck yeah! Alright, what are we yeah. rolling then? Rolling I gotta get, I gotta D20. Get in here. D20s. Do you remember that one um, D&D campaign where I lost my D20 and I didn't realize it and I rolled a D10 the entire time? Yes. Yeah, that really fucked you up. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, got it. Come on, baby. Come on! No, you're going first, man, with your single rolls, bitch. I already did. I already rolled. Present your number, bitch. No, I wait for you. Caleb, reveal your first number. A two out of 20. Yes! <laughs> Dylan, reveal your number. 19. 19. Motherfucker. Caleb, roll again one more time. I got a 20. I literally got a No! 20. No! It's right fucking oh. there. <laughs> oh, Natural oh. 20, right. baby. I'm rolling my wheel. Roll your damn uh, wheel. Okay, sure, Ross. Share your screen um, with us. That was that was fucking awesome. Ross, um we have not spoken since you're kind of the BPP daddy. Um I think Ew. it's I think it's okay to call you this. <laughs> yeah, put that away. Put that away, sir. <laughs> um Are we gonna post our wheels on socials? Yeah, like screenshot your wheel and send it to me afterwards. How do I screenshot okay. on a PC? That's a question for you to find out, Dylan. It's a question yeah. for you to All right, I'm going to delete this ad. We're going to hit spin. This is a good fucking wheel. 
And Already I, hits been on mine. You're doomed. I'm joking. I don't care. Some We're really in good, good hands. So here we go. Here we go. It's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. It's spinning. It's... What is that? <laughs> in right. time. Okay. In time. Is that the one? You, that was the one you were talking about last week. That's the one. That was the one I was talking about right? last That's week. That's the one with Justin uh, Timberlake. Yeah. With Justin Timberlake directed by Andrew Nicole, Justin Timberlake and uh, Mila Kunis, I think. I no, not Mila Kunis. Um, Seifeld, Amanda Seifeld. Seifried. Whatever. Yes. Same human. Her. I, I suppose we're watching in time. I apologize. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting. It's, this is one it's I got a 2.9 on Letterboxd, so it's okay, not this is horrible. One I haven't seen since. It, it has its problems, it but it's theaters. not a terrible movie. When it came out in 2011, so it's been a long time. It's a science fiction movie. Um, time is a currency. Justin Timberlake sings lots of delicious bars. I, I don't know. We got foam headed to save the world. Remember, remember get foam. smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sure fucking smart. do. Maybe get smart will replace in time on my wheel, but um, but here we go. All right, boys. in time. Which is not available on any streaming services, so one, it's fuck not. you, Caleb. It, it <laughs> was when I shortlisted it for my wheel, so sorry. But if we want to, like, I don't know. Time. I don't know if we have well, to some reveal of us, our... Some of us live close enough to a disc replay that I'll probably find it there. There you I, go. There's a library across the street from me. I'm going to try and find it there. I'll hit up the video drum and... Uh, I didn't realize how Atlanta. low of a Rotten Tomato score this movie had. Yeah, it was not well-reviewed, dude. It's not great, wow. but I haven't seen it, and I thought it would make a good episode, so we're going to watch it. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, so that does it for this week, boys. Got anything you want to plug? Um, not. I did, but I forgot. Uh, mental health. Take care of yourselves. Mental health. Take care of yourself. There's this band called Wednesday from Asheville, North Carolina. Female fronted sort of garage DIY rock that covers nice. a lot of country songs, which is no one fucking doing that. And I've really appreciated it and loved it the last couple of weeks. Um, nice. They have uh, a cover of Gary Stewart's. Um, she's acting single and I'm drinking doubles. Like, <laughs> just lots of, lots of good stuff like that. So check out Wednesday. Check out uh, Pine Grove that does a lot of kind of climate change conscious songs on the newest album, 1111. Check them out. Good music. Hit me up. Also, nice. Sandwich Jesus is releasing its first episode in the next two weeks. So Hell yes. To at Salvation on rye at instagram.com um i i'm gonna plug a band that doesn't really need help anymore um but i've been really listening to, i've been listening to a lot of the stooges this week they fucking rock dude listen to the stooges, <laughs> stooges are great um cool. so yeah um follow salvation on rye on instagram for caleb's um uh, sandwich thank you, jesus thank you sir uh, uh, grapefruit and the fish for you sir Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Mm. I love grapefruit. Mm. Um, see, uh, you can follow the Binge Picture podcast on Twitter. See, at Binge Picture. And you can like <laughs> us on Facebook. You can follow us on Instagram at Binge Picture Pod. And you can send us an email at Binge Picture Pod at gmail.com. See? Thank and, and also, we are now available to listen to on Amazon Music and Audible, and I think Alexa, not sure, we'll see. I'm going to try it later tonight or nice. tomorrow. I'm going to go to Alexa and oh, be like, hey, shit. Alexa, play the Bench Picture podcast. That would be um, pretty crazy. Gonna, Just hear your voice back gonna, immediately. Yeah, we're going to see how that goes. 
Um, but yeah, listen to us wherever you get your podcast. Like us, rate us, review us, follow us, love us. Give us smooches. We love you. Send us emails. We love you. Goodbye. Goodbye, listeners. <laughs>